Welcome to the New Clothes Podcast. This is where we are creating a space for our brokenness, yet remembering that God uses broken people just like us. We are laying our shame at the foot of the cross, and we are walking courageously in our freedom. We are standing on the promise of Zechariah 3, 4. See, I have taken away your sins, and now I am giving you these new clothes. Whew. Satan, you don't get to win today. We are forgiven. We are free. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. So let's get started, friends. I got new clothes. Don't you want some too? I gotta tell you what he did for me. He wants to do for you. He wants to heal you. Oh, wants to give you new clothes. Shannon, tell us a little bit about you. Who are you, Shannon uh, Caldwell? I am a daughter of the king. Mm. <laughs> yes. And everything else is incidental. Exactly. I love that. You know, I'm I can totally relate with that because I've recognized that I keep thinking, oh, I'm a massage therapist. Oh, no, I'm a missionary. Oh, now that's changing. And, and when things change in our life, it's like, oh, but who am I? Well, the reality is that's exactly right. it. The the only thing that's exactly is I'm a daughter of the king. All these other things are things I right. do. They're not who I am. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about that, about those labels and, you know, what the elevator pitch would be. Somebody asked me last week, well, what's mm-hmm. your elevator pitch, you know? And I said, well, I, I actually made a little list. Do you want to see what they are? Yeah, I'd love right to here? see your list, I, your okay, elevator okay. list. None of, none of them are it, but here's some of them. Okay. Hmm. All right. A hot mess who's healed was the first one I put down. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> and that, but I didn't want to lead with being a hot mess. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to focus on the negative. Sure. And then okay. um, I put down um, a healed mess with a message. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. So I think that that's quite close to who I am and what I do. There's some other things written down. Let's say that again. Let's say that again. (laughs) A healed mess with a message. A healed mess uh, with a message. Wow. And, you know, each of us, you know, honestly, Jamie, you know, I'll tell you, part of my story involves losing my mom and dad in a tornado. Mm -hmm. It is what my book, The Healing Season, is uh, primarily about, how a deadly tornado wrecked and reshaped my faith. Okay. And a friend of mine at that time, they were killed in the tornado in 1999. It was April 9th, spring. Okay. And it was basically gardening season when everybody starts to plant their gardens and start to see things like the crocus pop out. Right. And I was feeling so wrecked at that time. And a friend of mine said, she was over at my house gardening with me, trying okay. to plant some joy in my life, mm. something beautiful. You know, like the Bible says, whatever's good, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think on this. Amen. She was literally mm-hmm. planting that in my life. Here are some things that are good. Let's do it. Sure. Right. And she, she said to me, you know, you're already healing. You started healing the minute after the tornado. Everything following the impact is the healing. What that's going to look like is up to you. How you want to treat it, the pace you want to go at, what you want to do with this time is all up to you. But you're already healing. You're still standing. You're moving Mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, when you get cut, our body automatically starts you get collat, you know, the blood starts to collagulate, right? And then, and then it starts to just begin. It, it's a split second after, isn't it? That's an interesting way. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. I had never yeah. thought of it that way either, but it was encouraging to me. You know, it's true. It's true. For anyone who's gone through any, 
trauma, tornado, uh, thing that knocks the wind out of you, takes you to your knees, you know? Yeah. The minute after you take that information in and the next breath you take, mm-hmm. that's the minute where you're starting your journey. Right. And it can immediately begin a journey of healing. Hmm. Especially if Jesus is in the game. Yeah. Now, you haven't been a Christian all your life. I know you have a story of your salvation. Were you were you born again before this happened? No. Okay. Not. Yeah. No. I was what Christians call a seeker at that time. Okay. My brother was a born again Christian. He's the only born again Christian in our whole entire family. Wow. Yeah. And uh, when the tornado came, CNN came with their cameras. And my brother, he stood in front of the cameras and he said, I just want to thank God for his goodness, for taking them together, for taking them instantly. They loved each other so much. They wouldn't have wanted to live without one another. So I just want to say thank you, God, that if you had to take them, that you took them together. Hmm. And I was like, I saw something different in the Christians who were on the ground clearing away the tornado debris, the relief workers, the church volunteers. I saw I what I was a witness to, what I witnessed with my spiritual eye was I could see stars in their eyes. Hmm. I could see stars in their eyes. So they were a shining light. Yeah, and not like, you know, like a, you know, not like a glazed over starry eyed, Mm -hmm. but more like I could see infinity as I looked into their eyes. And it it must have been the Father. Mm -hmm. It must have been Jesus, the Holy Spirit. You know, his love was looking at me. I'm sure you've done this. I've had a moment where I've, or moments where I've walked into a store and I said, okay, Lord, fill me with as much love of your love for the people I come in contact with. And may they see that in me. When I look at somebody, don't, I don't want to just look at them. I want to look at them with the love of the father that they could feel your love. And it, it sounds like they were doing that. They were so filled with the love of the Holy spirit of the father that when they looked at you, it was like you saw Jesus. You saw you yeah. saw something more loving you, you know, pouring into you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will tell you, Jamie, that, and absolutely, that is very true. Like, God, give me your eyes is mm-hmm. one of those daily prayers that, you know, can change the world. Yeah. Um, or if not your afternoon, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... As I was walking through the grounds where the tornado hit, the only way that you could tell what room you were in was by the floor covering, okay? Wow. Like linoleum was the kitchen floor and the hardwood was dining room. And I, uh, you know, there was a moment where I stood right on the brink of losing my mind. And I know that that's true because I looked at the kitchen floor and it was filthy. Okay. It was filthy. A tornado had just hit it. Mm. And in my mind, there was a moment where I thought, okay, there's, there's people at our house. I've got to mop this floor. And that's when I, I said, okay, Shannon, that was not a rational thought. And you, you can crack up if you want to, and no one would blame you. And I honestly, Jamie, I thought about what that would look like. And I thought I'd probably go to a room by myself. Probably no one would bug me anymore. And I could just be left alone and somebody would bring me food and I could just meditate and do whatever I want. And I'm sure that health insurance would cover it. Like I literally followed it down the line. My ex-husband would take care of my daughter. He's got competent parents. But then I thought, no, my daughter needs me. Yeah. And that is when I um, heard the still small voice of God. For the first time in my life, uh, he spoke Bible to me. But the first thing he spoke was, 
I will help you walk. I will show you where to go. And so I got up and I started to just take one step and I looked down and there was like this gleam uh, that I saw catch light on the ground and I looked down and it was uh it was the top of my dad's uh walking stick. He had a cane. And then I heard the Lord say, Though I walk through the valley of darkness and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me and your rod and your staff they comfort me. And I thought, well that is Bible right there. <laughs> God is speaking and he's speaking in Bible. <laughs> I guess I better pay attention. You know, it was years before somebody gave me a Bible, but that was the beginning of, I think, wow. I think that was the beginning of, of Jesus, mm-hmm. like pursuing me, the God of the Bible, breaking through my hard heart. Yeah, absolutely. When you sense that, you're like, okay, I can make a choice and just go down this road. And then the Lord says, if you choose this other road, I'll walk with you. And you felt that for the first time. You're not a believer. You heard the word of God. What was the sensation that came over you? So, so Jamie, just backing up to before I got saved, prior in the immediate environment where the tornado happened, um, this is going to sound like a bunch of gobbledygook to somebody that doesn't know this language, but. I had gone, my primary guru was called Paramahansa Yogananda. He was the founder of something called Self-Realization Fellowship. And my primary spiritual practice was meditation. So there is a book called Autobiography of a Yogi. And that is Paramahansa Yogananda's book. And he is a, he was. He's been dead since the 1800s, but he's the one who brought yoga from India to the United States. And he was a, he was a believer in Jesus. And he took the, the yogic texts and he, he put them side by side with the gospel. And it's fascinating. And that was my basic study at the time. And then there's a book he wrote called Autobiography of a Yogi, which is actually a really hard read, but it's full of um, mystical yogic stuff, right? And so when I heard the first time I ever heard God speak, like I said, when I heard him speak on the grounds Mm -hmm. of the tornado, that's the first time I heard him speak Bible. But the first time I heard him speak was a year before when I was in meditation at Yogananda's place, I again was heartbroken. And I said to God, who is going to love me? And the first time I heard the still small voice of God, it was, I am going to love you and you are going to love me. Okay. That's the foundation of me hearing from him. It wasn't inside of a church. And the first time I heard him speak, it was not a Bible verse, but it looks like one. It looks like I will be your God and you will be my people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he called me his before he showed me Jesus. Hmm. God God knows how to call things that we can't see, right? So many times in the Bible. He called Gideon a mighty warrior. Yeah, Gideon was hiding. I know, I know exactly. <laughs> it happens again and again. Exactly. He, 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 he calls us what he already sees, and we might not see that yet. But he already sees it. He already knows it's who we are. Even before we know it's who we are. Wow. It's amazing. So you had this spiritual connection. You knew that God existed to some Mm-hmm. Level, right? Always. Yeah. Right. You know, the beauty of a seeker is that they're seeking. How many people are like full on understand who Jesus is, what he does, what it means, and spend zero time seeking him? Just go about their daily practice. What are you doing tonight? You know? But 
if you are, uh, you know, seeking, we have a promise. The promise is, if you'll excuse my, like, I get feisty about this. But it says, seek and you will find. Not you may find. Right? And so I feel like so many times, if you will, church people, when I was a seeker, looked at me like, um, oh, she's so lost. <laughs> you know? When uh -huh. at the end of the day, it's like, well, uh, hey, that's what happens before you're found. Right. Yeah. You know, how is it between you and him today? You know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Have you talked to him lately? So, yeah. I'm glad that the people who finally gave me a Bible didn't look at me like that. Didn't look at me like I was a weirdo when I came directly from Sunday morning yoga to church in my yoga clothes. They didn't think, how inappropriate. What is she doing here with that horrible energy all over her? They were like, Shannon, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> and that's, you know? that's a healthy church, right? Like, a healthy church wants to welcome in those sinners is, is recognizing that that's the whole reason for the church is so that sinners can come in and, and feel the love of Christ and recognize that there is acceptance in Christ. We, he died for all of us. He only by the grace of God, you know, am I standing here right. because I've had my own. And, and, and I think so many times in the church, we start thinking that we have to put on this air that we're these perfect beings and we're a hypocrite, you know, like, oh, well, they're just hypocrites. And then that's the outside. And the reality is, no, we're not hypocrites. We're just fallen people saved by grace. You know, everyone, we, we have our struggles. And if you don't, you know, if you're trying to put on this air of perfectness and then you look at your neighbor and say, oh, you're not perfect yet. So I can accept you. Well, that's, that's, that's not what Christ is asking us to do. We are, we are to shine brightly his light. We are, I was reading last night. You know, we say Jesus is the light of the world, but then Jesus tells us, you are the light of the world. <laughs> you know, right. it, is, it is our job. He is within us. It's his glory in us. And we are to shine brightly so that people see that. And what does Jesus do is he embraces those ugly, quote unquote, people, those tax collectors, right. those prostitutes, All those, those yeah. fishermen who have bad language and those, you know, <laughs> he right. embraces them. And that is, that's. That's where we have to be. And how many times are there born again Christians who are too ashamed to share what their past was because they're ashamed. Yes. They don't know how they will be received within the church. And and so I we've closed our that. mouth. We've closed our mouth. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. Revelations tells us we're healed by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. And there's something right. that comes from the power of our testimony. And if we've made each other be quiet, we're losing the power that was given to us to break free from guilt and to break free from shame and to break free from the lies. Of, you know, because if it's a secret, Satan just, you know, he's right in your ear. Right. Nobody's going to love you. Yeah. Nobody look around this church. If you, if they knew who you were before you came here, shh. You know, they'll never think of you the same again. Right. Every There's time they look at lies. you, they're going to take that thing. You know exactly. what I mean? I have that, you know, and the deeper that you go, the more clean you come. You, you know what I mean? But then like sometimes it's helpful to me because I am dealing with that right now. Like I used to speak up until COVID and then I took a great big pause. I used to see naturopathic clients before COVID and then I took a great big pause. I used to teach yoga before COVID, and then I took a great big pause, right? So now I'm starting to step out again. Okay. And I have healed more deeply in this time. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so the, the testimony changes the more we grow and heal. He never finishes. No. He doesn't just go, oh, Shannon. I'm going to speak to you in California when you're heartbroken and tell you I'm going to love you and you're going to love me. No, I double dipped. He spoke to me. Oh, I walked through the valley of darkness and the shadow of death. And he just went on. You know what I'm saying? And he didn't stop there. He's spoken again and again, word after word. I mean, he is good all the time. He's with us always. We have to figure out how to hear from him 
And that's why I'm honestly, seriously, forever grateful for the training that I learned through the yoga background because mm-hmm. that's, they meditate. Mm-hmm. How many Christian meditators do you know? Like they say, praying is talking to God, but meditating is making way for his still small voice, like making that water, that lake of your mind still so that he can toss one little pebble in there and let those ripples go out, you know, his pebble. I was thinking about the word surrender, Jamie, Mm -hmm. the other day, Mm -hmm. the word surrender has always feel to me like has always felt to me like, um, I give up. I quit. Never really like a good thing. You know what I mean? You're supposed to, but I've always felt slightly begrudging about the idea of surrender. Yeah. It's hard for me is all I'm saying. I was never good at being led as a wife and I tried with all my might. I tried to surrender. I tried to be led and I, I failed. I never got it. And so here's the thing. Two things. One is the word sir is the prefix of surrender, which Mm -hmm. means something greater, as in superior. Sir means over, higher. Okay? Okay. So part of surrender, is it involves and must be to something higher. Yeah. Okay? And then the render part, I got the remembrance of somebody saying, I'm just going to do a rendering of that, a rough sketch of it, right? Or someone saying, I'm going to render that fat as if to take this and cook the fat all the way out. So what if we took that rough sketch or like it's, or to, to render something would be to change it, to cause it to change. Like I rendered it impossible to drive or whatever. You know what I mean? So render and sir. Okay. If you're taking your pieces, if I'm taking my pieces, my rough sketch, the fat when you took me down, <laughs> gross, not like, not like that, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I get it. You I know get what it. I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and, and then just take that. And hand it over to something superior, to him, to him that made me without my, um, without all the weeds in the garden in my heart, without all the glitches in my operating system to just say, God, here is all of me and let him take it from there. Do what you will. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you, you bring that up. My word for this year is dance. And I, I said, I think the Lord gives me weird words, right? But as I break down the dance, and it's more of like that partner, right? And when when the man is, is when it's a good leader, they don't choreograph it. The man designs it as he goes, right? And he his job is to make the woman look beautiful on the floor. But she has mm. to surrender her will because if she's like, yes. no, I want to go this way. And he's like, no, let's go this way. It's the dance isn't beautiful. It's struggle. It's, it's a fight and it's, it's jaggedy. But when you let yeah. go, when you have enough tension where you feel the Lord pushing and you pulling and you like, there's, there's a balance of like this. It's not a struggle. It's a, I'm leaning so much into God that every little tiny move I feel. And every time he says, right. go to the left, I go to the left. And every time I go to the right, and if he tells me it's to twirl, it's and trusting in him that when I surrender to his direction, He's going to make my life beautiful. Right. Even if I think it's a different part. Yeah, you're going to make me cry. This is exactly what I was thinking about just this exact week, okay? Because when um, I was working on it, like my marriage was 20 years long. It's it's in the healing season. Mm -hmm. You know, you can read all about it. Thankfully, that book isn't a book about my ex. It's a book about Jesus. And, you know, I expected God to completely heal and restore and make us like mighty for his kingdom together. I really did. And that is not what ended up happening. And, but when we were, when I was trying to learn how to let him lead, to learn how to follow. Okay. Cause it wasn't my natural behavior. I wasn't raised in an environment like that. My mom had a mantra, a woman's place is in the house and the Senate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So um, she didn't have any, I didn't have any sort of a role model, you know. Um, and it wasn't really presented to me like it was a good thing anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, the gospel and the Christians in my life, uh, I've never had this camera angle until I got a Bible and was led to Christ like 19 years ago. So at any rate, I suggested to my ex that we take ballroom dancing lessons mm. because I thought that would be a perfect way for me to learn how to follow. See, I'm going to cry because. I mean, I'm happy that I'm safe and that God is with me and that I'm getting to see all the characteristics of him as a husband. I never would have. And it's really, really something. He treats you differently. I really do believe he has opened doors for me. He's provided just, he showers me. Like a good husband would. But I also wanted my marriage to work, Jamie. Yes. I see. And so the other day, hold on, let me just report myself. It's okay. The other day, I was in my kitchen. And I was just missing dancing in the kitchen. You know, do you do that? I do. You and Junior? Yes. Don't you feel like almost every married couple dances in the kitchen? <laughs> Even when you're just doing dishes, he comes up behind you and gives you a little squeeze, or he's doing dishes and you do that because there's nothing hotter than a man doing dishes. I know. Right? I know. I posted a picture of my man oh. doing dishes. I'm like, I got a good one. Good God. Good <laughs> Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> That is a side note, gentlemen. Um, that is fine. Right there, vacuuming, housework yeah. in general, yard yep. work, any of it. Yep. Bring it. You don't even have to be good at it. <laughs> but at any rate, I was I was like, Lord, I asked him if he would just dance with me. Mm. And I really feel like, I really do feel like he met me right here. Like, even though Jesus is, um, spiritual he's alive and i don't know how he does what he does but i know that it's real and that you can feel it not just with your mind Mm -hmm. you can feel it with your fingers and your face you can put your head down on his shoulder he will put his arms around you Amen. amen i i had a moment similar to that where when I was getting ready to start this podcast, I thought, Lord, <laughs> I don't get this. I don't, I'm not a preacher. I don't have, I don't have a degree. I don't have, you know, and I saw somebody, a pastor was, was passing on their legacy to their, their daughter. It was actually T.D. Jakes and was, he was praying over Sarah, his daughter and, and just that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and, and put her into this role. And I thought, Lord, there's nobody here to pray over me and to anoint me in this. And I don't, I don't know why you're choosing me, Lord. And how can I do this without the anointing? And, and it was like the Psalms, the 23rd Psalms. And he said, Jamie, I anoint your head with oil. You are the one. And I could feel the oil rolling over my head and down my shoulders. And I just sit there and I just bawled because I could feel it. I could feel yep. it. You know, yes. and then he actually went a step farther and somebody who I haven't ever talked on the phone with, I've met him on Facebook and different things. They have some things in Haiti and she called me and was talking to me about Haiti stuff. And then she's like, I just need to pray over you. And she, she didn't even know what I was doing. She's like, I anoint Jamie with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then yes. I kind of just bawling yes. again. And I'm like, oh my God, God what, what uh. type of a God that that we have that just he's so intimate and he's so close and and we don't deserve it I mean if you look at my life and you look at my past and you hear my story I don't deserve it 
don't deserve any of this. Me either. Me no, either. But oh my gosh, you know he is oh. just such a good father. He really is. He is. And yeah, um, man, how he can meet us in yes. those moments. It's true. Mm. I have felt that feeling before too. That jar of oil. I remember um, I was working in Detroit as a a, a morning show host on mm. a radio station called WMEZ. It's a Christian station, and I got the opportunity to become the program director and the music director for not just that station, but for all three stations. There was uh-huh. a Bible teaching station, a gospel station, and then a contemporary Christian station. And I definitely did not feel equipped, even though I've been a music director for and I have the skills to do it. Mm-hmm. There's something very specific about a gospel station, especially in Detroit, that the magnitude of knowledge, the depth of meaning, those songs are deeper than many of us can begin to imagine. They matter. The culture matters. Treating the culture with sensitivity matters. Mm -hmm. Um, I could go on and on. I was sitting in my office crying because I I didn't I knew I could do it but I didn't want to do it unless like it was his anointing yeah and that's when I literally felt like I I felt I felt like a jar of oil cracked over my head and I felt like the oil pour over me Mm. and I started crying and I stepped out of my office and I almost couldn't quite talk to people. You know what I mean? Because oh. of all that God had been doing, yeah. I turned right around and walked back into my office. And one of the other members of the air staff, a brilliant, kind, wonderful woman named Robin Sullivan, she comes into my office and she goes, what's going on? <laughs> I said, I think Jesus just broke the jar of oil over my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that we have some friends that can understand what we're talking about when stuff yep. like that happens. <laughs> that you don't just think we're a coop. Like, yeah. I got wow. it. I got that job. I took it. Wow. Wow. Yep. Shannon, yep. I want to go back to a moment. You had talked about you know, meditation and how a lot of Christians would we're kind of I think we're fearful of that word, right? Because it's very new agey, you know, the new age movement or the, the spiritual movement outside of Christianity uses that word. And it's kind of that emptying of the mind, but, but with, that's what we think of like, I'm just letting my mind go to wherever. And, and that's dangerous, mm-hmm. but there's, but the, the word tells us to meditate. And right. I believe it's Solomon that says, what am I to speak, Lord? I just need to sit in your presence and be quiet. And mm-hmm. and I agree with what you said is like, I used to always think that prayer was me speaking, but that's only half of it. Like, if you're never just silent and think about, okay, or just, and just relax your mind, not, not saying I'm, I'm empty in my mind or, or whatever, but when we don't take that moment just to think on and meditate on the word and, and chew on it. And, and I, I would love you to bring a story that you put in the work in your book. I read it this morning, in fact, about the almond. Um, oh, right. So, yeah. but I, I recognize that meditation was something I don't have to be afraid of, but that I need to embrace it because that's where the Holy spirit, just like you said, when we quiet our hearts for a moment and just stop speaking is when he can speak. You know, yeah. when you and I are, if we were talking the whole time at the same time, if I never stopped talking and I'm interviewing you or I'm asking you questions and I never allowed you to answer, it wouldn't be much of an interview. You know, we have to. So I think you have a lot more knowledge. I would love you to share a little bit about that meditation and how we can as Christians embrace that. How much is a transformed life worth? Did you know only two out of 10 students will make it all the way through high school in Haiti? But even though Haiti is in a humanitarian crisis. There are children who are learning how to dream. We want to invite you to be a hero in a young student's life. We want to invite you 
to sponsor a high school student so that they will continue to attend high school. They won't be part of the statistic. They will learn critical thinking and leadership and hands-on skills, and you will be empowering them to make the change that we all wanna see in Haiti. We invite you to come along. Go to www.reachoutlefund.org slash give. There you can set up a monthly payment or a one-time payment, but we would love to have you partner monthly with us. Would you be a hero? Okay, first of all, props to you for knowing that because many broadcasters go for a really long time in their career and don't realize that one person talks, then the other person. So (laughs) you, I see big things for this girl. Um, Yeah. You know, meditation, first of all, we know, like you said, it's in the word. And so when we look at that, we're looking at the tradition of the Jewish meditators, right? Like the ancients of the faith. Jesus was a rabbi and part of the mystic tradition of Judaism is, I mean, look at any picture you've ever seen of someone standing in front of the wailing wall, Mm -hmm. rocking back and forth in prayer. And now you see someone meditating. Mm -hmm. Okay, but with regard to what you were talking about with that almond, so there there are traditions like the one that you're speaking of is called Lectio Divina, which is it translates to divine reading. And, you know, I was raised Catholic and the Catholics actually have got some really good practices of meditation. You see a lot of nuns and monks, uh, you know, props to them who look, if you're taking a vow of silence, you're going to have a lot of time to hear from God. Mm -hmm. From time to time, I need to fast from speaking. I talk too much, for sure. Right. I need to listen more. And that, that includes not just my relationships with people, primarily with God. So Lectio Divina is, I don't have it in front of me. I don't know which tradition of Catholicism it comes from. Maybe Benedictine. What you do is you take the, you take the word, the word for those who are not uh, Bible people yet. The word is Christianese and you will hear it used interchangeably with the text from the Bible. Okay. So you take a particular piece of Bible text, like say Psalm 23, right? Yeah. You say Psalm 23, you've got the whole thing there. And you're going to go through it several different times, okay? And we're going to break it down more and more and more. And the analogy of the almond was actually taught to me by my yoga teacher, Courtney Shalfit, who's the founder of Yahweh Yoga. And she's the one who taught me the almond thing. Um, it's part of the yoga teacher training. You take an almond, a raw almond, and you hold it. Hold it. Look at it in your hand. Feel the, just the simple weight of that raw almond in your hand. Maybe smell it. See if you can smell it. See if it smells like an almond, like you imagine an almond smells like, you know? Then, Take it and put it in your mouth, but don't chew it yet. Instantly, mm-hmm. you start to salivate. Instantly, your body starts to break it down and make way to digest this thing, okay? Then you're going to chew it and chew it and chew it until it is almond butter. <laughs> and only then do you swallow it, okay? Wow. And then it's been nourishing you all the way along, but you take it in as complete nourishment for yourself when you finally swallow it. So with Lectio Divina, you do a similar thing with scripture. Mm -hmm. The first time you're taking a look at, say, for example, Psalm 23, you're holding it in your hand. You're looking at it for its basic weight and texture, you know? Then, when you take it in, okay, 
this is when you start to digest it and look at some of those bigger principles. What is God saying? And then the next time you go through, you chew, chew, chew that thing. That's when you bust out your pen and start circling the words that stand out or things that show up multiple times. You know what I mean? And when you really decide, this promise is for me. I am part of Psalm 23. So I walk through the valley of darkness and the shadow of death. Not just David, me. Mm-hmm. I will not fear evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Right. Surely your goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Amen. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I had that promise come true for me recently because I moved cross country. I just the Lord just showed me clearly to, to fix up my house and move. So I did. And I thought, oh, is he going to speak to me still? <laughs> now that he's done this big thing, now that I'm here? Right. Because I didn't know what he was going to do. I still don't quite, you know? Yeah. But, but he continues to just bless with daily blessings that make you know. I see you. I am with you. My goodness and mercy will follow you. Yeah. Yes. I love the new, I think it's a new living translation. It says he pursues us. Like his unfailing love pursues us. And I'm like, God pursues me. He, he wants to be with me so much that he's chasing after me. Like, right. (laughs) And that's, uh, yeah, I just, that's, yes. I've been chewing on the 23rd Psalms for this last probably three or four months and just different parts of it. And I found like the more that I've chewed on it, maybe I don't have it. I'm not going to tell you I have it all memorized, but I have, you know, the gist of the parts and I'll be sitting in a place of fear or, or, and I'll say, no, like, even though I'm walking through this, because the reality is in life, we're going to walk through times that are dark. He doesn't say the darkness isn't going to be there. He doesn't say the enemies aren't going to be there. He says, he'll comfort us and he'll, he'll guide us. And that, you know, like I'm in the dark place, Lord, but you're going to comfort me and you're going to guide me and your staff, it protects right. me. And, and, you know, and then even when I have enemies, I get a feast. It's like, Jamie, it's a feast. You know, I <laughs> tell talking to myself, Shannon, he's not giving you bread and crackers and a little bit of cheese. He's like preparing right. a banquet for you. And that's not, exactly. you know, I don't have to fear what I don't know, because even though what I don't know is scary, but what I do know is greater than all that stuff. I don't know, you know, exactly. just, I'm going to keep my eyes on the shepherd because he has promised me calmness. He's promised me green pastures and the oil on my head. And he's promised to restore me and he's promised to provide for me. And he's promised to protect me. And I know all that. So all that stuff I don't know, I don't have to fear it. Which comes down to surrender because (laughs) that comes down to the stir in Uh He's So good. That it's easy to hand it over to him. Yeah. It's easy to follow when he's so trustworthy. His promises aren't like other promises. If he promises it, it is happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The surrender sign is the same as the sign for victory, right? It's <laughs> putting on your hands. And I, I have I have been working on that surrender, recognizing it's in that moment of surrender that I can choose to accept the gifts he gives me. Because all of this is gifts to us. Yeah. Right? It is, it's him lavishing us with love. But if somebody, if I hand you a gift and you never take it, you aren't going to get the benefit of the gift. Exactly. It's our, it's our job to take it. And, and sometimes yeah. you have to open up your hand and surrender so that your hand is free <laughs> to receive that exactly. gift. Exactly. Very true. You know, the converse is true when people bring things that aren't blessings to your door. Mm -hmm. If somebody shows up and wants to dump everything that is the opposite of what is good, perfect, if there's anything praiseworthy, anything excellent thing on this, Mm -hmm. you don't have to receive that gift, including labels or things that people would speak over you. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I remember back in the day I was, um, I was at this restaurant 
and there were these girls that had just got off work and they were fluffed up like they had all the girl tools out you know what i mean sure lashes hair outfit jewelry perfume everything okay they looked at themselves okay then they looked at the mirror that was in front of both of us they all saw me together Mm. and then they looked at each other and i heard the leader of the pack go we could tear her up Oh, And do you know what, Jamie? That stuck with me for decades. Wow. You know, so we don't have to receive that gift. They can hand that over, but you don't have to take it in. Like yeah. I am returning and not regifting. How about we could build her up? What would happen if that was our heart? Right. I think especially, especially as women, right. That's something the Lord's been working on me. And and I'm sure that you've heard this message too, or like, I don't have to snuff out somebody else's candle to make mine shine brighter. Right. Yeah. You, you dip it in and now we both have candles and now it's brighter altogether. Yeah. And so looking at, at those moments when we receive it, well, sometimes we look at other people and we think, oh, you know, we get jealous or we have these, this competition. And so there's, he's like, no, you need to look at the other women and start building them up. That is your job. Your job, if you want to become what you, what I want you to be, you have to invest in other people too, because that's the way this world works. That's the way I want my daughters to work. We need to lift each other up, you know? You're so when I see right. my, my sisters who are promoting something online, I'm, it's sure as day gonna I'm gonna comment and I'm encourage them and 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 or if somebody's doing something better than I am. You are doing amazing. And you know what? If God has blessed you, he's gonna bless me. I think sometimes even in yes. the in the missions field we could get like that. I I can see like, well, I don't want to share my donors because it might take them away from you. And I'm like, whoa, I think God has abundance for all of us. So yeah. I don't I don't have to fear you hitting your budget while I'm still struggling. I can look at you hitting your budget and say, praise God, you hit your budget because that means he's going to do it for me too. You know, like we have to change our perspective of is, I think it's a scarcity perspective in our own minds of like, if God does that for you, well, he didn't do it for me. No, we need to be saying God did it for you. Praise God. That means he is going to do it for me because he has enough. He has enough for you, Shannon, and for me. Yes. He has more than enough, exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask for or imagine. Yeah. And I agree with you. It is from scarcity mindset. It's something that I work on overcoming all the time. I was raised in extreme scarcity. Mm-hmm. Like I was neglected and boy, oh boy, did I develop a lack mentality. But mm-hmm. God has... um you know, it's just one of the things that God's actually presently working on with me, too, because this is my first time being single, standing on my own two feet by myself. Yeah. You know, um, I was like, huh, I wonder how this budget is going to work out. But, you know, it, your your word danced for the year. God showed me a picture a few years back about his abundance. And it was um, it was abundance. He pointed out the word <laughs> dance sitting right in the middle of abundance. And he's just like, I want you to think about my abundance more prayerfully and with less, no, 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 more playfully, more joyfully, Mm. with less grasping, more Mm. like, God, I know you're abundant. God, I know you're abundant. You're abundant. You're abundant. You know what I mean? And just like to, again, to surrender, to take my drawing, you know, what gets cooked out of like what gets cooked out? when you put me under pressure, sometimes is fear. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to take that and surrender that too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. because you know what, when we can stand through these things and strive, we become people who are evidence to other people that you can also stand and you can also thrive. Friends before me, you know, went through hard times and I saw their good lives and thought I can do it because they're still standing, you know? Yeah. You had said that the girls, you know, they came in and they said we could tear her apart and how that affected you for decades. There's something that I've 
I didn't know Jesus yet. So, you know, no, it but, makes a difference. But listen, I think that what I want to talk about is what do we say to ourselves? Like you were probably, I'm imagining you repeated that line was repeated in your mind of you don't have value. You're not enough. You're not, because I feel like something I have to, I struggle with is where is my value? Am I pretty enough? Am I, you know, like, oh, I'm not as skinny as I want to be. And and I'll, I have caught myself and I realized I was telling myself I was disgusting. <gasps> and, and I'm like, wait a second. I didn't realize it. And then I, it was like the Lord was kind of opening up and like, are you listening to what you're really saying to yourself? You know? And I thought, yeah. I would, I would never say that to my daughter. I would never tell my best friend you're disgusting. But here I am telling myself that about my figure, about this or that. And it's like learning to accept ourselves and and say, no, no, I'm not going to accept that gift. Like you said, I'm not going to accept that gift that somebody else is pouring into me. All this negative, all this negative. That isn't what is good and lovely and righteous. You know, what is it that's good in me that that's what I should be looking at and focusing on? And, and instead I'm looking at, oh, these, I have this fault and I have that fault and I'm not good enough here. And, oh, Lord, do you know that, you know, like it's, and I thought, how long do we sometimes as women, I think, especially hold on to those self, um, to self-hatred, you know, that we say to ourselves and what would, what advice would you give to somebody? How did you let go of that? What somebody else said to you, but maybe somebody said it to themselves. How do you have somebody release that? Oh, Janie, it's such a, you know, it's, I feel like everybody struggles with it. I don't know that I know anybody who doesn't, even people that were raised like in the healthiest environments. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually, at the end of the day, comes down to, you know, Satan, the fall. He mm-hmm. gets into our mind. That's his real estate. He wants to get in between your head and change your thoughts. Um. There's people that make a lot of money, billions of dollars to keep us thinking that we're not enough and that we need to be different and that we need more. Mm -hmm. Okay. And fear and being excluded is one of their greatest weapons. Okay. So we have to get our minds off of what they're saying. And on to what God is saying. Amen. If we know the Bible is true, then we have to pay attention to it and it alone as our source of truth. And you know what? It doesn't say an awful lot about what people look like. Like it says in the Bible that Jesus wasn't remarkable in any way in right. his appearance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if appearance was important to God when he decided to become flesh and dwell among us, don't you think he would have been like so hot? <laughs> right? handsome man that everybody so had to look that way. Dark. Oh, Jesus was fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, his hair was flowing and his shoulders were broad. Doesn't say anything about it. Doesn't talk about what people look like in the Bible hardly at all. The first time I went to a Bible study um, in the bathroom written on the mirror was beauty is fleeting. Charm is deceptive, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I'd never heard that thought in my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was 30 something. Wow. And I'd wow. never heard charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Okay. That is true. Because there were 80-something-year-old women in that Bible study, and there were young moms, and there were 14-year-old girls running around. And and every single one of those conditions is temporary. Mm -hmm. It's never about that. When you look back at the most important people in your life and you think about them, do you think about what they looked like, or do you think about how you felt when you looked in their eyes, when you were in their presence? You know, mm-hmm. and as they were 14 or as they were 90, the right. experience of that human being was the same. So there's that. And then lastly, with regard to, um, you know, those gals looking at themselves and judging themselves above me um, in many ways, 
Truth be told, you're darn right. You could tear me up. You could tear me up. True. You know? But if you had to come and be the music director of a radio station, guess what? Mm. Maybe not. Right. You know? So here's the thing. If you had to sit down and write a book, you know, if you had to teach a yoga class or give someone a holistic wellness consultation, you know, maybe not. So the thing is, like, we're different. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's important. And it's one of the reasons why it's important that we be who we actually are and not Mm. some fabrication of what we think we should be, wherever the message is coming from. You know, I studied nutrition. I'm a a holistic health coach, a a naturopath, a traditional naturopathic doctor. And part of that is uh, becoming a nutritionist. And one thing I learned that was surprising to me in nutrition, okay, and I'm saying this because God is the creator. And you see, like, when you look at a painting of, say, Leonardo da Vinci or Pablo Picasso or uh, Salvador Dali, you can tell the artist's work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know whose art you're looking at. Correct. So when we look at God's art, we recognize his hand. How does he do it? Right? Mm-hmm. When you look at the galaxies and then you look at the cells inside the body, don't they look remarkably similar? Right. Okay. Same artist. And he says, we are the body. And so when you look, then you have to see, even though the galaxies all the way zoomed out, the cells of the body all the way zoomed in, or maybe even to the atomic state, still you're looking, you're going, I see the same theme at work here. You know what I'm saying? And we are the body. So all of that to say that one fun fact from nutrition school is that every nutrient works on a team. There is never, ever, if you say, for example, oh, I have a cold, I should take zinc. Oh, you know, guess what? Vitamin C works on a team. And Mm -hmm. if you're down, if one member of that team is down, the whole team is down. So supplementing one member of the team isn't going to necessarily help you get there from here. That's why, you know, a pardon the diversion down this rabbit trail, but that's why it's important to take a good multivitamin because we need the team. You see what I'm saying? Right. And maybe calcium gets all the cred. And meanwhile, you know, stinky phosphorus, nobody wants phosphorus at the party. But calcium and vitamin D can't be the superheroes that they are without phosphorus. Wow. That's why I'm saying the creator made us differently and put us in teeth and we have to be ourselves. Yeah. Vitamin D is trying to be vitamin C. It it won't work. (laughs) No. (laughs) Right. We're trying to do it alone. Well, we're, we're kind of coming down to the end of the time. And, and I do want to talk to you a little bit about this because I'd like you to share. Not everybody realizes what is a naturopath. Just tell us a little bit about it. You know, it, it varies widely. There's all sorts of different titles, you know, mm-hmm. holistic health practitioner, traditional naturopathic doctor is what I am, a TND, which is different than a naturopathic doctor. Okay. Okay. So what a TND works with is natural, non-medicinal interventions that are non-invasive. Things Mm -hmm. like water therapies, things like herbal therapies, things like massage therapy, which Mm -hmm. you know talks about. Uh, Energy work falls into the category. So does meditation. Mm -hmm. So does you know, physical activity, whether it be walking or yoga or whatever it is, like movement therapy, basically, okay. and most primarily and importantly is the, the spiritual wellness. The, the body is only the seat of the soul. So running around and taking great care of the body without taking 
care of your spirit, man. We start there and work our way out because my journey with this started when the tornado came. When the tornado came, I had heard a study from Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who said, if you don't address trauma and grief in real time, slow down and take care of it, it will manifest in the body as illness within about three years' time. It'll, it'll make you slow down. It'll demand that you stop and pay attention. And that's why I took it very seriously when my friend Patricia said to me there in the garden in the weeks after the tornado, your healing's already beginning. How are you going to do this, right? So I quit my stressful job and I started a little company making soap to stay at home with my daughter to heal, to pray and meditate, you know? So that's holistic wellness, taking care of our spirit first and our bodies and the things that God gave us. What is, who is your avatar client? I can tell you who's come to me um, in the past. Uh, honestly, I, I, I deal with a lot of people who, who have experienced real grief and are feeling stuck. And they just want one thing that they can do on a regular basis to move forward. And they don't necessarily want to go to grief therapy. Or maybe they're doing grief therapy and it isn't working. Or they, are, they want to do something in addition to it. Um, People who are feeling low energy, you know, trapped, want an extra set of eyes on what their daily life is um, looking like. Uh, what I do is put together healing seasons for people. Typically, a naturopathic client will work with me for one season and we'll see each other once a month in that season and we'll choose one thing. And that person will choose whatever their most important one thing is right now. And if it happens to be, I just want a prayer partner to pray me through this month, then, you know, I can, I will pray with you once a month face to face and help you connect and build a pattern. Maybe use that 40 day healing season journal that goes along with the healing season, you know, or somebody else, you know, I had a woman, she came to me, her, her father had died in a terrible accident and she was witness to it. And it was on a very special day in their family. And she had recovered as much as she thought she was going to recover with the church, with therapy. She wanted to get back into the basics of what it was like to be a wife and mom just before, you know? And, you know, sometimes I feel like we make these gigantic professions to ourselves. I'm going to surrender this year. But then you don't know what to do with it, right? So, like, she wanted to heal. She wanted to get back to being a normal, whatever that is, wife and mom, right? And for her, we, we pecked around. What does that look like for you? What, what is the smell? What is the feel of being? Like, when you think about that, what does a normal wife and mom do? What did she do? What did you do before that crash? Or what would you want to do now that would satisfy that hunger, you know? And she was really tearful about it. She definitely hit the spot. She said, I used to always make pot roasts. And it was so nice because we could have leftovers. And it felt so much like a family thing. So even though you would think, how could it possibly be the next right one healing thing? Even though I haven't even had red meat since I was, I can't even remember. But for her, the next thing for this month, this one thing is Mondays. I make a pot roast. So Mondays, she made a pot roast for a month. Wow. And it changed everything in her house, her mind, for a month, the rhythm started to get established again, the smell in the house, the feeling of the family coming together. It blessed her husband, it blessed her son, which blessed her. And they got to watch her rally and fight for herself with one simple thing. Just make a pot roast on Monday. Sometimes when you've been punched hard in the gut, you don't need to do some great, big, giant thing. You can lower the expectations on yourself. It's perfectly fine. 
right after the tornado, I had a friend call me every single day and ask me, did I get out of bed today? And she declared it a good day if I answered that yes. You know, so maybe maybe that client sees me, can't get out of bed. You know, that's a zero. That's time for you to get your friends in your house. So if somebody's hearing this and they want to connect with you, how can they connect with you? My website is thehealingseason.com or uh, facebook.com slash healingseason. Family Life Radio is where you can hear my radio show. I do middays on Family Life Radio. So if you want to hear that anywhere, myflr.org. Nice. Well, we do have to wrap up our time. The one thing that I love about the podcast is that I'm growing as a person because I get to hear wonderful people like you speak and it's, and it pours into me. And and I just want to thank you for today. Thank you for, you know, you're a busy lady and you have a lot of things on your plate and just that you had enough time for me. I want to thank you and honor, and I honor you. And I'm just so privileged that you took time today and shared your heart with Jamie. us. Sweet Jamie, bless you. Thank you. I'm hugging you right now. Mm. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for all you do. Thank you, you know, for leaving the 99 to go for the one. Yeah. You know, thank you for praying and, you know, blessing on your podcast and on the work of your hands. Thank you. And your thank family you. and your <laughs> mission. Yeah. Bless you. I pray the Lord breaks a giant jar of oil on you this year. Power in your new